listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. I'm glad you're able to join us again for this latest episode of Let the Bible Speak. As we commence today's program, uh, let me just inform you that our public worship meetings are not at the times advertised in this program. We have had our public worship suspended in recent months due to the coronavirus, and whilst we have recommenced public worship, it is not at the regular times. If you'd like more information regarding our public worship, please don't hesitate to, to get in touch. It would be our delight to welcome you in the Lord's house as we'd fellowship around the word. In the meantime, let's see what the Bible says today as we continue our studies in Paul's first letter to Timothy. There's so much to learn in this letter regarding the church in the world, and those things, of course, are of great practical importance for today. So let me read to you the words of 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 18 through to 20. The Word of God says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. We trust that God will bless his word, and let's bow together in a word of prayer as we ask for God's help as we consider his word today. Eternal God, our Father in heaven, we thank you again for your word. We thank you the word is living. It's a true word. It's a word that is always relevant to our situations. And so give us help today as we study the word. May it come with power and with authority to all who hear. May it come as a word of exhortation and challenge. Uh, may it correct unrighteousness. Uh, may even some soul be led to Christ through the word that we consider today. And so do bless us and help us as we consider the word in Jesus' name. Amen. These three verses that make up the end of First Timothy chapter 1 have an interesting pattern when you consider their content. It speaks of Timothy and then warfare, and then about the matter of faith, then conscience, and then faith again, and then other individuals, Hymenaeus and Alexander. And so there's a pattern in Paul's writing. He refers to a person, a picture, a practice, then a picture again, and a person. And that structure is helpful as we would contemplate the meaning of these verses because Paul is going to show us the contrast between Timothy and these individuals called Hymenaeus and Alexander. And the difference in their conduct has to do with how they hold the faith. Timothy is holding faith and a good conscience, but Hymenaeus and Alexander have put away faith. They've put away a good conscience, and they have thus made shipwreck. And so as Paul brings these words to our mind, he's doing so with a very clear pattern that we understand the importance of holding faith and a good conscience. We'll get to those subjects 
today and indeed in our next broadcast. But for now, let me just highlight some features regarding the text before us. Let's note the people in view. Timothy, of course, is mentioned in verse number 18. This charge I commit unto the son Timothy. We've already studied Timothy's relationship with Paul. Paul saw Timothy as a son in the faith. And here we see Timothy as being a man who is God's man. He's God's man walking in God's purpose. He's being charged here by Paul to do his job. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. His task was to guard the flock, to shepherd the flock, to watch the flock from those who were teaching false doctrines. It seems likely that there were certain prophecies that occurred in the days of Timothy's ordination. It says there in verse 18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. The days of the apostles were days when there was still the practice of revelation coming through prophecies. And at Timothy's ordination, we have the words recorded in chapter 4 of this epistle, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And so it would seem that there were men who were able to prophesy concerning Timothy, concerning his purpose and the plan that God had for his life, prophetically uttering that Timothy was to be a shepherd and a guardian of God's flock. What we see here is that God had a plan and a purpose for Timothy. Now we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for all of his children. If you're a child of God listening today, then God has a plan and a purpose for you. We are all, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are all his workmanship. We've all been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And those works God hath ordained before that we should walk in them. What a blessing it is to know that we are walking in the plan and purpose of God. And Timothy is to serve in that purpose. He's to serve in the prophecies that were over him as he was ordained to the Christian ministry. I think in a very simple way, the key to Christian living is living out the purpose that God has for you. We're not called to live out somebody else's purpose, but God has called us to do what he has called us to do. And the calling that is ours, our vocation, we must do so and live out that calling with all of our souls. So Timothy is one of the individuals mentioned in this passage. But we see uh, also two other individuals coming to our attention. One is called Hymenaeus and the other is Alexander. These men were false teachers. They're mentioned by Paul again. At least Hymenaeus is in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and the verse number 17. Where the word of God says, And their word doth eat as a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. These are false teachers. They are against God. And yet they were in the church and thus they were disciplined by Paul. Paul says in verse 20 of this first chapter, Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan. Now that's a mysterious phrase. What on earth could Paul mean by saying he's delivered these men unto Satan? Well, we have a similar reference in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In the verse number 5 that says, To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, 
that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, the context in 1 Corinthians 5 is of a man who is guilty of immorality and who is being disciplined by the church in Corinth. Or at least they were supposed to discipline him and they had failed to do so. And Paul is correcting that error and telling them to discipline such a man. And that practice of church discipline is for the destruction of the flesh as that individual is delivered unto Satan. It's a very serious matter. You see, false teaching is blasphemy. Hymenaeus and Alexander were to be delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. To promote falsehood as God's truth is serious. That's why we spent time reminding ourselves of the importance of truth in this short series so far. You see, one of the key reasons for church work and Bible teaching being under local church government is that false teaching can be dealt with when it occurs. We, we believe, and I've said it already, that there is the importance of those who are laboring for the kingdom that they do so under oversight and under authority, that there are no uh, maverick individuals uh, going about in their own self-appointed authority. New Testament evangelism occurs under the oversight of the local church. New Testament Bible teaching occurs under the oversight of the local church. False teaching, if it occurs, can be dealt with, and not only for the good of the church, but for the good of the individual. Paul's desire for Hymenaeus and Alexander is that they would learn, that they'd be instructed, that they'd be restored. Church discipline is a serious matter. In this communication, the church is declaring that they have evidence to believe that an individual is not saved, that something in their lives is not compatible with salvation. In 1 Corinthians 5, the matter is immorality. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, the matter is false teaching. The false teacher, guilty of blasphemy, must be instructed, and part of that instruction is through the discipline of the church. The Lord Jesus himself taught this matter of church discipline in Matthew chapter 18, that there was to be this telling of a sin to the church, and so that those who neglect to hear the church, they were then to be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. They were to be treated as sinners because the evidence was that their actions were indicating that they were not right with the Lord. And the Lord says, Whatsoever ye bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is a matter of church discipline. And the purpose here, there was restoration, that they would learn not to blaspheme. So you have these individuals mentioned, you have Timothy walking in the purpose of God, and Hymenaeus and Alexander working outside the purpose of God, coming under the discipline of the apostle. There's also pictures used here. There are two metaphors used in these verses, two word pictures. The word picture of warfare, Paul tells Timothy that thou mightest war a good warfare. And also a picture is used regarding Hymenaeus and Alexander, that they have made shipwreck. So the two pictures that are used, they are the pictures of warfare and sailing. Oh, we know the Christian is in a battle. They have the enemies of the world and the flesh and the devil. The Christian is also sailing on the seas of life. Now, these pictures are particularly true for the Christian minister. They're engaged in hand-to-hand combat and warfare with the enemy. And they're also sailing the, the seas of this world. Thus, the Christian is to be a good soldier 
and a good sailor. But the point I believe that Timothy is being caused to think about in this letter is that he should understand through these pictures that there is danger involved in the Christian ministry. Paul tells Timothy, wage war a good warfare. And he warns Timothy about the danger of being shipwrecked, as was the case for Hymenaeus and Alexander. So having noticed the persons that are involved here and the pictures that are used, that, that leads on to the peril that is implied. And the peril implied, the danger implied, is that of losing your soul. Paul is warning Timothy of the danger of defeat in battle or shipwreck on the seas. Please listen carefully. The Bible emphatically teaches the internal security of the child of God. We love the words of John chapter 10, that none can pluck the sheep of Christ from the shepherd's hand. But whilst the Bible teaches the eternal security of the child of God, it does not teach the eternal security of all who profess to be the children of God. It is possible for there to be profession without possession. And there are warnings in the scripture of a professing believer apostatizing from the faith and being lost. We are to be diligent to ensure that our calling election is sure. We're to test and examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And so we are to avoid this peril. We are to be conscious of the danger and we're to be good soldiers and good sailors. What a tragedy it is for those who profess to teach the word of God to make shipwreck of their own souls and to lose themselves, though they are professing to teach the truth. So we have these various items that are mentioned in these verses, but all of this leads us to the practice that is encouraged. That's really what's the focus of Paul in these latter verses of First Timothy chapter 1. He's exhorting Timothy to hold faith and a good conscience. If we're going to war this good warfare, and if we're going to avoid shipwreck, we've got to hold faith and we've got to hold a good conscience. And so in the time that remains in this broadcast, let me highlight the matter of holding faith, and then in the Lord's will, we'll consider the good conscience in our next broadcast. Holding faith. And that's what Paul exhorts Timothy to do. I ch- This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, War a good warfare, holding faith. When you read the word faith in the New Testament, you have to ask a simple question. What sort of faith is in view? The word faith is used in a couple of different ways in the New Testament scriptures. Is it referring to the faith of the believer? In other words, that act of will whereby we receive Christ as he's freely offered to us in the gospel. We believe We have faith in God. We trust in God. Is faith in view here? Is it referring to our action and holding on to Christ? Or is it referring to the faith, i.e. the body of truth entrusted to the church? Jude verse 3 uses faith in that sense, where Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you, and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which is once delivered unto the saints. The faith, the body of truth concerning the gospel, that body of truth that centers on the person and work of Christ Jesus. 
not only dealing with Christ, but centering on Christ. That our doctrine of God is seen in the revelation of Christ. That he came into the world to give his life a ransom for sinners. That he lived a perfect life, died an atoning death, rose conquering the grave, ascended to the right hand of God. These are some of the features of the faith. That sinners are dead in sin. That they can only be converted by the miraculous work of God in regeneration. That the only hope they have is of a new heart. And then through that new heart they come to trust in God. These are the objective doctrines of the gospel. And I think it is that idea of objective truth that is the primary idea in this verse. Paul is telling Timothy, hold the faith. And Paul uses that word in that sense in a couple of chapters time in chapter 3 in the verse number 5 where he says to Timothy again holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience indeed the opposite idea in light of Hymenaeus is mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 2 where Hymenaeus is said to having erred concerning the truth I think the danger for Timothy is that he would make shipwreck by abandoning the doctrines of the gospel. We must always be aware that as the children of God, we must be grounded in the truth of the gospel. It really matters what we believe. Indeed, it is the will of God that we grow in our knowledge of the truth. And as we grow in our knowledge, we hold on to that knowledge. We hold the truth tenaciously. We will not let the truth go. And though false teachers come, we're determined not to give up on the truth of the gospel. Peter tells his readers, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you again, it is the will of God that you know the truth and grow in your knowledge of the truth. Let me present to you just three evidences of this. Three evidences that show that it is the will of Christ for his church to grow. The Lord has given gifts to his church. He's given us his word. Hebrews chapter 5 and the verse 11, uh, Paul rebukes the readers there that they are not maturing in their understanding of the word of God. He says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as a need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 14, they are showing us that the oracles of God, the word of God, are given that we mature and are strong. Yes, the word of God has milk to nourish us as we are babes in our faith, but there is strong meat so that we would grow. The Lord has given us his word. He's given us the Bible that we would grow and mature, that we'd be those that are a full age. That's an evidence that it is the will of God that we grow in our knowledge of the truth. Don't despise Christian doctrine. Don't despise the deep things of the word of God. Rather dig into the word, feed upon the word, that you grow in your faith and be strong. It is, remember, holding faith 
that enables us to war a good warfare and that is holding the faith that enables us to avoid the shipwreck and the loss of our souls. The Lord has also given us his servants. He's given us his word, but he's given us his servants. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, The risen and ascended Christ gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. What's Paul saying here? Well, he's telling us that the Lord has given the gifts of pastors and teachers for the maturing of the saints. Now, there are various offices in view in these words, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and these are the temporary offices for the foundation of the New Testament church. But there is that permanent office of which Timothy is one, that office of being a pastor-teacher, one who shepherds and instructs the people of God. And the Lord gives these gifts to his church so that the church would mature It's another evidence that the Lord in his will desires that we all come in the unity of the faith unto a perfect man, that we mature in our knowledge of the truth. The Lord also in the third place has given us his spirit. Ephesians chapter 3 in the verse 16, Paul prays that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's our prayer for the Spirit of God. That we be strengthened with might by the Spirit of God in our inner man. It's a desire from the Apostle Paul that the believers would know the Spirit so that they would then grow and mature. And so we're seeing here evidences that it is the will of God that we are maturing in our faith, that we are not babes, but we are we are fully grown men in our understanding and in our holding of the faith. You see, when you consider these various verses, you see the tremendous benefit of holding the faith. Oh yes, it enables us to war a good warfare. It prevents us from suffering shipwreck. It gives us stability. It gives us sense we're able to discern good and evil. We're able to be safe from the wiles of the evil one. And we're able to know more of Christ. And it's when we grow in the truth that then we have that deep spirituality that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith, that we would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. What a benefit there is in being strong in the truth. And therefore, as we close this broadcast, let me exhort you to know the truth, to put yourself under ministry that teaches the truth of God, to hold on to that truth no matter what, that though that truth be unpopular in a day of unbelief, that though the truth be unpopular in a day of of moral licentiousness, be careful, dear child of God, hold on to the truth with your whole being. Don't let anything take the truth from your soul. What a blessing it is to have the Bible, to have the Word of God. It's a blessing to have these programs, to be able to come to you week by week and to let the Bible speak for itself 
so that you, if you're a child of God, would know this truth. And perhaps there are some listening. And if you're honest, you understand that you do not know the truth of God. You don't know this person, Jesus Christ. You don't know the benefits of his work on the cross. You have no grasp of these truths that can save your soul. Let me invite you. Seek Christ in his word. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. The wise man in Proverbs tells his listeners to buy the truth and sell it not. And I would say the same to you today. The truth that is found in Christ Jesus, he alone is the way, the truth and the life. And as we find Christ, we come to the Father through him. May the Lord bless his word to your hearts again today. In our next broadcast, we'll return to these verses and consider the subject of holding a good conscience. What an important matter that is, that we have a good conscience before God and before men. Let me remind you again that our public services in the Malvern Church are not as advertised at the close of this broadcast. And if you'd like to worship with us, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Let me close this broadcast with a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father in heaven, we thank you that in your mercy you revealed truth to us in the word of God. We thank you for Christ coming coming and revealing the Father unto us. We thank you for Christ who sent forth the Spirit into the apostles that they would reveal the very mind of Christ in their writings. We thank you have the Bible to study and to consider and even to share in these broadcasts. And we pray for all who are listening. You know every heart. You know those, O Lord, who are afar off, strangers to God and to grace. Save their souls today. Draw them unto thyself. We pray for your children. We thank you for many of the children of God who listen to these programs. We pray the word of God will be an encouragement to them. Bless them, O Lord, as we study together. Keep your hand upon us for good. And in these difficult and troublesome days, help us to seek first thy kingdom that we pursue godliness and righteousness to the glory and honour of Christ's name. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.